Welcome to another fantastic episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name's Ara. I just got back from a trip, short trip, just a few days. Went over to New England, ran in one of those fancy races. From a magical land. Yeah, I was in Massachusetts. Yeah. Of no taxes. You know what's interesting? Massachusetts normally has a tax, but this weekend was the tax-free weekend. Um, still, when I went and bought Pikmin 3... It was in New Hampshire, which is always tax-free. That's so, the land of no tax. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's still wrapped. It's still wrapped in my bag at home because I only got home last night, and I haven't had the chance to even play a video game yet. Where, but, where, uh, where is your video game cred going, Alon? What was the question? I must, you, haven't, you haven't what? Oh, how, because I haven't played many, the game? How many hours have you been in this state and you haven't played the, this game? Yeah. No, I played the sleeping game last night. Um my wife is going away for 10 days straight, starting in two days. So I will have all the time in the world to slack off and play Pikmin 3. But you don't think it'll so. be really funny if you spent most of that time playing Pikmin 3 before she all. leaves? <laughs> oh, before she leaves. Yeah, that's not going to happen. But this is, this is why they call me the homewrecker. Yeah, I am ready to play. Um, I'm also getting, I think, suspiciously close to finishing Dishonored. Um, but it has very few missions. Like, it, it's hard to tell because you know a game's plot can move forward in such a way that like it's like all right, as soon as you do this thing, we're going to be able to you know do this ultimate thing in the plot line, which is what sort of closes it all. It's what you've been wanting the whole time, and then it could just turn on a dime, and the plot could change, and I could have ten more missions in front of me or something. But I'm at that first point where it, yeah. it looks like the mission I just started. And these missions are big, but the mission I just started, when I finish it, it will be the end of the game, which I think later on in this episode, we're going to talk about uh, some articles that you found relating to Dishonored. And I think that those articles cover the second to last mission because it's the one I just finished. And then anyway. anyway. So this one, this one that we will talk about later, you've actually played it now. Yes. I hadn't okay, when I read the article. This is awesome. Okay. So that's I was great. just about to play it when I read the article and then I played it. And now we're talking about it on the show. Cool. That's so I, I would like to defer that discussion uh, so I can um, jam on Dragon's Crown a little yeah, bit. Yeah, that's the game. So last week you had talked about this game. You were very excited that the, the next morning you were going to buy this game. Yeah. And if you'll recall, I wondered what made this game so exciting for people. I, I looked at it. It just looked like a class, um, classic uh, beat-em-up. So tell me. Tell me what happened when you finally played this. How do you feel about it? Well, first, a funny thing happened because I haven't been in a GameStop to buy a game in about since like 2010. Wow. So that's a long time. Which yeah. one do you go to? This is You say this like I have a regular one to go to. But the, the one that I went to this time was just the one up on Greenway. I don't even know which one that is. Greenway and Third Street. Oh, yeah, didn't know that one. Anyway, okay. it's funny because I go in and there's like immediately a long line. So I'm like, OS. Not for this game. Well, that was the th- thread that ran in, the, in through my head for the moment. Then I looked around and I'm like, mm, look at that. This uh, Tales of Zillia game also releases today. This is my lucky day. I'm going to decide that everybody in front of me has a pre-order for that game and not Dragon's Crown. And I was right. Yeah. That, they did. That sounds like what I would have thought. And so, yeah, so I get the game. And this is like, I mean, you know how many games I actually buy in a year? I think you and I are pretty on par with one another for the number of games we buy. Yeah, it's a few. Very few. Well, except this year. I'm probably going to buy a ton of games this year. Because <laughs> I think Nintendo's actually releasing stuff. Well, we'll see about that. At least in the next six months. Maybe not just 2013. Yeah. Well, uh, truth remains to be seen. Anyway, so, wow. The short of this is that after playing it for about an hour and a half, I'm like, I want to return this game. This is really unpleasant. Why did I do this? And then all kinds of continued self-loathing and so on and so forth it's not the end of the world just 60 bucks so well you know what i take solace in knowing that um since this is an atlas game 
probably in a few years it's going to be going for like a hundred bucks. <laughs> yeah, and at GameStop, no less. So, so, and we have another thing about that too later. But there's, I don't want to talk a lot about this. There's just a couple interesting things, and by interesting, I mean like interestingly horrible things that I want to convey about this game. Let's let's start with. Before you ever played it, what made you even expect it to be? Look, this good? is a Vanillaware game, and I've been burned so many times in the past that is Vanillaware, a, uh, like a development house. Yes. That, okay. So they made Muramasa before this, which I actually quite enjoyed, and they made Odin Sphere before that, which I also quite enjoyed. So it was just the pedigree. You were expecting it to be good because it was from a good yeah. developer. I mean, you know that I've been burned so many times in my game buying history that. The only time that I'll ever buy something sight unseen is if it's by a developer that I recognize. And I feel like I know what I'm getting into. Okay, and that's rational. I can't, I can't argue that. It's pretty rational. What I was really shocked and dismayed by was the reality that it seemed like in every single way that this game deviated from Muramasa, it did so to its detriment. And the really peculiar thing about uh, most of Vanillaware's games is that, especially the ones that I've mentioned, is that they all kind of, they have this uncanny ability to feel the same experientially, even though artistically they're all totally different. You Somehow you feel like, especially between Muramasa and this game, somehow you feel like it's the same experience and I feel like I'm going down the same road that I went with Muramasa. And thereby, I don't really feel compelled to keep playing this game because it just feels like the same thing. So if you didn't play Muramasa, would this be a good game? Uh, well, the thing is, I don't know if I would say – I don't know what I would say about it. But I would probably be very minimally compelled to just play this game to the end in anticipation – of something awesome that I expect now will never come to fruition because that is exactly what my experience with Muramasa was. I'm not really following. There's, it's, it's hard for, this angle is kind of hard to explain. You have, have you ever played a game where you, you're you very strongly feel compelled to play through it. And there's like this expect, like you get a feeling from the game that, you know, there's maybe something really awesome to collect at the end. Or if you collect enough things or if you progress enough that, like, there's just, there's just something really awesome that you'll be rewarded by. And after you get through the end, you just realize that that awesome promise is just never there. Has that ever happened to you? Yeah, Karnov. Karnov. So that's the feeling I got from it. And that's what happened with Muramasa. And I just get the same feeling from this game. And it's so it's such a similar feeling that I don't even want to have anything to do with it. But those are not the two things that I want to bring up about this game. The two things that I want to bring up about this game are really interesting. They're actually very, very unique. And they are unique in very negative ways. So first of all, the thing that immediately turned me off, and not just by like this much, like I'm pointing pinching my fingers together but by a whole lot is there's a narrator okay you love narration listen <laughs> this narrator is the worst execution of narration that can ever be, be held by anyone's imagination so you didn't like the narration in bastion if i recall <clears throat> not so much everyone else loved it Look, so is this I don't even believe they loved it. I just believe that they say that they loved it because everyone else say that they loved it and because people say that jam that's chunky is better than jam that's smooth because it has a salient aspect of chunkiness to it that you can talk about. That's why I think everybody said that about that game. Okay, so let's pretend that they really did like it and they weren't just saying it. Would they say similar things about this game? I don't or think is it so. just... Is it objectively bad? I think it's objectively bad. I deliberately didn't permit you to play this game before I did my uh, spiel on it, but I'll, I'll let you play it later if you want. But here's the thing. Here's a, remember when we're, we were in grade school, okay? And we were in, 
we were I don't know some some class where they're discussing let's say like some element of creative writing, and I'm sure you recall that there's this concept that everyone was taught about show don't tell. Sure. You want to show something. You don't want to just tell the reader about it. Right? Yeah. Well, I didn't do a lot of creative writing, but I think I understand your point. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like a very, very – like everybody understands that. Everybody understands that it's better to be shown something rather than to be told about something. And video games are really good at this. Why? Because we can show you things through pictures and animation and so on, right? Okay. So here's what they do. First of all, there's this ridiculously verbose narrator – who has this highly patronizing sing-songy intonation with every single syllable. And he tells you exactly what is happening on the screen that you're looking at. And what it effectively does is it actually just completely destroys the artistic effect of the game in just one just effortless swoop with such... Uh, it's just oh, with just such precision and completeness that you just it's it's almost impressive how badly it ruins the game. It sounds very much like Bastion to me. Here's what he does, right? So you'll walk into let's say a shop, right? And there's this really cool graphic of this really stoic guy who's in the shop. Actually, it's like the Adventurers Guild, right? And this is really cool, except the narrator barges in and he's like. Oh, you see, like, Samuel or whatever his name is looking at you, blah, blah, blah. And he like, he looks like a statue. And, he like, basically this narrator is explaining in words what you're seeing on the screen. And it's really disruptive. Which is a complete ripoff of Bastion. I don't think it's a complete ripoff. No, it's different, and I'll, I'll tell you why when we come back. We'll be right back. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right, we're back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. So... I want to. I don't want to compare too much to Bastion, but all I'll say is that I feel like this is much worse than Bastion because in Bastion, the guy, the narrator was telling you things about things that were happening, whereas in this case, the narrator is actually describing what you're seeing directly. It's it's much more on the face of it, and it's much more. So it's trying to be the same thing, but with just a really bad writer. It's re- it really feels like it's exactly what you're saying, and it's it, if. It feels like it's very try-hard. And the other thing is that they, they interject these really unnecessary details that just disrupt the experience. Like there's a boss. Uh, there's some kind of wyvern that you defeat as, as a, a boss at the end of a level. And then the narrator says something like, you take care to avoid detection by any other wyverns in the area. And I'm like, no, I don't. There's no effing wyverns in the area that I'm taking care to do anything about. You just made that up. Or, for example, there's you go into this uh, this other you know shop like thing in the town, and there's a little staircase, right? And it's like it's just it's so overblown. It's so try hard. The guy's like you know you wind your way up the labyrinthine staircase, and I'm just like, good lord, get off it. Like, your big vocabulary and this unnecessary exposition is not making the experience better. It just makes it even more obvious that it's try hard. So, anyway. This is a point where I think 
a lot of people are going to disagree with you and say they like the game. Of course. Well, a lot uh, being the few people that played it. They may. And, of course, they're entitled to that because there's no accounting for taste. But I can't, I can't even stomach it. So fortunately, I actually found a way to turn it off after some rummaging. So I was like, okay, finally, right? Uh, unfortunately, the two characters that are the most sexy characters in the game, slash ist, depending on your perspective, are also seem to be at least the, the Amazon. I picked the Amazon, and she was so hard to control that that also contributed, exacerbated my unpleasant experience. Later, I picked another character, and it was actually like, okay, I feel like I can play like competently with this character, and and that was fine. And and the game is fine, but. Here's the thing. I just want to say one more thing about it. And this isn't even the main thing. This is a really weird thing they do that no other game ever does. So, you know the v- this game came out on Vita simultaneously, right? Uh, yeah. Isn't it like one of those where like when you buy one, you get the other one? Uh, I don't know if they're doing that, but it came out on both. Okay. Anyway, um... I mean, it wouldn't have made any difference to me because I don't know the Vita. But the Vita has a touch screen. So ostensibly in support of that, in addition to this really extensive uh, character moveset that uses basically every button on the controller, you also have, with the right thumbstick, you can control this weird cursor that looks like it's simulating what you would do with the touch screen, right? And the only purpose it has is that while you're fighting, right, completely independent of that, you can, like, move this cursor around uh, across the background. And if you scroll over a random point, this little glimmer shows up, right? And this glimmer, if you move your cursor back onto it and then press the L1 button, you can basically, like, basically what it's doing is, like, it's tapping at the background and a little piece of treasure comes out. And what's that for? Uh, you get points. But here's, here's the problem, is I don't know what they were thinking with this device because it puts the player in a very, very awkward decision structure because here's the decision i have to make as the player now because it's very laborious and it doesn't actually take any skill at all to wave your little finger cursor across the screen and see if there's any sparkles that come up tap those sparkles and then walk your character over to collect the item that's a no, this is a no skill type of maneuver here okay so here is – and this is, this is also one of the big things that just kills me about this game. Here's the decision I have to make as a player because this is a really boring activity, but I get points from it, right? So do I do the boring thing, right? Basically make my experience take longer time and fill it with boring types of uh, moves, right? You spend it doing boring things and get more points, right? Or do I value my time, not waste my time doing these stupid things – and get less points as a result. Do, do you see how it's just this weird, bizarre trade-off that makes no sense? Well, it also assumes you have an inherent interest in points. Well, you do because the more points you get, you'll get money, more money at the end of the level. right? So it translates into a measurable currency that you use. But I just, I just can't fathom why they ask the player to do this. Well, we certainly like collecting things. Yeah, and some people will do it. You know what? Just like most people will probably love the narrator or say they do, I'm sure most people will love this and not even think twice about this trade-off that I'm explaining here. Yeah, I wouldn't. But now I want to play it. And you shall. Anyway, that's all I have to say about this game for now. Okay. All right. Well, um, there was some other talk about Dishonored. Yeah, why don't we move on to that? That or more GameStop, I suppose. How about Dishonored and then GameStop? All right. How do you like me now? It's a deal. So here, okay, so here's something really interesting. You know, there's been a lot of talk these days on on the internet about how you know games are you know getting too easy. And this generation of gamers is like doesn't know how to play games because they've been coddled by all the easy games and so on and so forth. Yeah, and how. Dishonored is actually a good example of this. You, you remember back in the day when Rich was on the show? I sure do. Rich How was, could I forget? Yeah. So he, he was definitely a proponent for turning the the difficulty oh, yeah. he was down the, in a game. He was the play easy mode all the time guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Wanted to play easy mode just for the story. And I'm, I may have seen this in the past, but 
I don't think I have. This is the most direct example of what Rich described that I've ever seen. In Dishonored, much like other games, there are four levels of difficulty. And the the normal slash default mode is, I think, the second one. And I, I could be wrong. Dishonored may only have three levels. But it definitely starts you on, on the second option, right? The normal, so to speak. I think there's like uh, beginner, normal, hard, and extreme. Not those actual words, but that's basically what it is. And when you switch to beginner, with each one it describes sort of like the difficulty, right? So, you know, normal is normal. And then the, the hard one says like, uh, you know, enemies will take more you know, more attacks to destroy and will be faster to find you, stuff like that. The beginner version, it specifically says, like, for people who just want to, like, chill out and enjoy a story. Like, it it references the idea that you want to play this game without difficulty because you care about the narrative of the game. You know, as much disdain as I had for some of Rich's values, I actually find uh, no fault in that because I've, I've actually even experienced that some of these story games, and this will actually lead into the, to the, our issue about Dishonored, some of these story-heavy games, right, the, the story is so compelling and sometimes the gameplay is so, um, for lack of a better word, unpleasant that when... The few times that I've played those kinds of games, when I've been interested in the story, I actually don't want to be challenged by the game because it interferes with my enjoyment of the story portion. So I can totally appreciate that. It's not that I don't get it, but I just think, like, I I don't think any game is going to ever match the quality of a movie in terms of the story that it presents. And people will be like, well, The Last of Us is a really good story. But, you know, it's it's a little bit of a story mixed in this giant giant game right so who wants to watch a 24 hour movie with only 30 minutes of footage and 23 and a half hours of walking around well um some people i guess right listen i enjoyed it for the game that it was i'm just saying i wouldn't play that whole thing if all i cared about was the story and it's the same thing with dishonored i don't know how many hours i've put into it but it's a lot and you know i could just watch a one and a half or two hour movie and get a better experience. But certainly, I mean, there's there's no shame in, even though the movies as a medium are probably better suited at doing what they do than games are, and I will not argue against that in general, right? Hey, look, if you want to enjoy Dishonored the story, enjoy Dishonored the story, because Dishonored the story isn't on the movie. I mean, if you yeah. really like it, you know. I'm, that's I'm definitely not playing it for the story. No, yeah, that's fair enough. So here's the thing that's really interesting to me. I'm finding that people are misattributing things all the time lately. And what seems to have happened is there was this interview um, with the developers of Dishonored, and they were talking about a specific mission and a specific situation where there's is, there's a level and there's basically guards and you're supposed to go upstairs in this level. And, well, I'll just read you the quote, right? So this guy is talking about this level and he's like, people would just walk around. They didn't know what to do. They didn't go even go upstairs because a guard told them they couldn't. They'd say, okay, I can't go upstairs. They wouldn't do anything. And so there's this piece on lazygamer.net. It's kind of ironic that that's the name of the site where basically they're framing this situation as, look, this game is too hard for most people and they had to give you really obvious clues for you to understand that you should have been going upstairs even though a guard told you that you couldn't. And this is yet more evidence that today's gamers are weaklings who don't know how to play games. I'm looking at this from a completely different perspective. I think that... Actually, they have it wrong without playing Dishonored. And you can tell me if I'm right, Alon. Here's what I see about the situation. The guard is acting as an agent for the game authoritatively. And by way of the guard, the game is actually communicating to the players that you can't go upstairs. And so it's actually a communication trust issue where the game has told them in an authoritatively perceived way that they can't go somewhere and they're taking it at face value. It's not that a gamer is stupid. It's that they've... the I felt it sounds like the game did a bad job of framing whether the guard's voice 
or the guard's message in that game is one to be trusted or not to be trusted authoritatively. We'll definitely talk more about this in just a moment. Back, as always, Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show, sponsored by UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Right before break, Aro was talking about an article that, that he read and sent over to me that I read as well. There were actually a, it was a couple of articles referencing sort of the same thing. And um, I want to start by pointing out that this was written a year ago when the game first came out. And when the developer is talking about playtesting and how they had to make some changes. Um, usually in a situation like this, and at, at least with the, the press people who were writing these articles, it seems to me like they put them in this level and didn't give them other levels to play. Like they didn't preface this level with the hours and hours of experience you get by playing the rest of the game. You mean the context under which people decided that they couldn't go upstairs because the car told them they couldn't? Exactly. Yeah. Right Now there's, there's even more. This particular level, for those who've played, it's the, um, what, what do I call it? It's, it's the Lady Boyle party one. That That's, sounds exciting slash disgusting. Yeah. Now, Boyle is a name. Oh, okay. Not like Boyle's on your skin. B-O-Y-L-E. Okay. Not like on your skin. There, there's one particular mission where the entire mission is like, well, once you get to the party, you're like in a place with a bunch of people in costumes and stuff. Anybody who's played the games knows what I'm talking about. Um, and this particular mission, first of all, is very different than the entire rest of the game. Um, and if you're just put into that without the context of the previous missions, you don't understand that this game is all about sneaking around guards, right? Going places where they don't want you to go, finding entryways to places, uh, you know, going going in through ways that aren't necessarily the most obvious. So you're saying by the time somebody normally gets to this point, they've been they've been sneaking past so many guards that it should be obvious. Either sneaking past or understanding that there's multiple ways to get somewhere. Yeah, you know that's yeah that's a good point. Right. And so this game is a lot about like looking up. Is there a ledge up there that I can take? Right, that I could. I could go for, so even though there's a guard at the front gate, I'll go around the back, or I'll go up top, or I'll go on a roof and get there, right? There's, that, that's the entire premise of the game, is that there's lots of ways to get to the place you want to get to. And so um, one thing that, basically what they were talking about how, is how they had to make a lot of the, the NPCs say like, hey, you can probably find some information on this thing that you need to figure out by going upstairs. And I think in the articles that we read, it exaggerated a bit. Like, I don't think it was overdone. It wasn't, I didn't feel like I was getting yelled at by people to constantly be running upstairs, um, which is how they made it out in that article. Mm. Um, but, but there certainly were some, right? But it was also clear to me, someone who played through the game, that I should just be able to go upstairs because the guard wasn't... Like, that guard who tells you you can't go upstairs, the one guard who says you can't go upstairs is in a full pattern of one of those, like, I walk here, and then I walk over to this side of the place, and then I walk back, and then I walk back again. But it's not just walking side to side in a room. He actually walks downstairs to go away, somewhere else where it's, he's, like, winded down to another level, to the basement where he can't see you, and you can just walk upstairs, right? It's not even hard. Like, never got caught or even got, cl- well, one time I yeah. saw got close. You know what's another confounding factor? This is really funny. I'm sure I, – I feel like we've played countless games, maybe even going back to the NES era, where uh, we have been sectioned off, restricted access from a place, and there was a guard somewhere that told us we couldn't go there. Yeah, and in those games, it usually meant something real. Like, you can't do it barring you doing something else first, right? Yeah. Like So, in, in, I, so here's the funny thing, and this is why I'm bringing this up, because these situations are not as simple as these people – 
a, a, a lazy gamer and other people, when they interpret it, frame it. There's a lot more going on here. A player will certainly be confused who's played games all their life and has gotten accustomed to the idea that when a guard tells you, or if this is, if this is their history, right? If a guard tells you you can't go here and they've experienced enough examples of this and they've truly learned that in all those cases they really can't go and the guard is telling them they can't go there, then when they see another example, they're going to tend to match that with their previous patterns of experiences. This is nothing – my point is this has nothing to do with being smart or not smart. This is ha- has everything to do with relying on your past experiences to inform what the game is like when you're playing for the first time. Yeah, well, so I – Completely agree. And I have talked several times on the show, I think, about how I have let myself, like, as technology and games have improved over time, I've sort of stuck in the old era. Like, I've told a story a million times about how, like, I got stuck in Ocarina of Time. All I had to do was, like, light a torch somewhere. But I had to hold, there's a point where you can, like, hold a stick, which I guess is used as a weapon or something. And, like, yeah, those sorts of things I got, I got hung up by too, actually. Like, you've got to have the stick touch another torch. So that, stick lights on fire so then you can bring it to the first torch that wasn't lit or something like i it was too much for me to handle like no the game can't do that that's they would never that's too much i need to get something where i can just directly light it on fire like with a candle in the first zelda and lo and behold you actually can do that right so ever since then i've tried to let my myself like i've I've expanded my mind and say okay i'm going to do this as if the developers were super awesome and put this thing into the game that I never thought they would ever do. And then if I'm proven wrong, great. I can just be bummed about it that they didn't do it. Right. But I'm going to try and see if like I can, and that's just been ever since that happened, like what was it? 10 or 15 years ago. I've, I've thought to myself, I'm not going to restrict myself by, you know, what I learned years ago in games that weren't as advanced as what I'm playing now. Yeah. But in this particular case, this very specific case where the developer was talking about how people were getting screwed uh, or rather screwing themselves, I think it's because you bring in a play tester who hasn't played the game already. And it was, it's so apparent to me, someone who's played the game, that you know, the, the whole point of this game is doing everything other than what the guards tell you to do. Uh, yeah, that, that very well could be. So yeah, that also... F- follows for the uh the press who are talking about it saying that you know they didn't know what to do or i forget exactly what they said but they seem to go right in line with what what the developer was saying was yeah like, these these things i mean with the psychology of these situations there's often a lot of subtlety going on so it's don't just think that your first conclusion or interpretation is necessarily the yeah. right one i mean the idea that anyone would even get hung up in that game by a guard is crazy to me because you spend the whole game killing guards so you could just kill the guard and then go upstairs. Yeah, well, that's something also you learn by playing the game, right? Yeah, which you don't learn by just being presented with this level. And that reason I say that level is different than the rest of them is because you spend that whole mission really, like, not killing anybody. Or even, like, setting off an alarm or something. It's weird. Anyway. Let's, let's move, move on. on. Yeah. Something else. Well, we were talking about GameStop. Let's do the GameStop stuff. We were. This one... As someone who's worked at GameStop, and we I got a we got a couple of GameStop stories. Which one are you thinking of? I point the the price tag one. Ooh, yeah, let's do that. So let me let me tell you a story first, though, relating a little bit to GameStop. So I told you I just went on on vacation back home to run in in a Spartan race. Um, while I was there, I visited my old home because my parents have an entire section of the basement basically cordoned off. It's just a lawn's stuff area. Now, my sister has her own from when she went off to college. So that stuff is like decaying. Its half-life has passed. I like your parents better than mine because mine do that. But then on an unannounced date, they start throwing things away. Well, a lot of my stuff got thrown away because on an unannounced date, the house flooded and rained down. Literally rained in the house all over the things in the basement. But uh, a lot of stuff also survived. Like my arcade boards. I brought home... NBA hang time, which I'm excited to connect to my my arcade machine. But um, there are a few things that I dug through. I said, I know, I know that I have an NES2, the top loader, in a box, in another box, somewhere here. And I hunted it down and I found it. And I also have a Super Nintendo 2, which I did not know if I had and I don't remember buying. 
but totally have it, never used it. And I brought that home too. So the reason I bring it up is because this Nintendo 2 came to me when I was managing my GameStop back in Massachusetts, right over the border from New Hampshire where I lived. And uh, it came directly to the store. We're talking like 2002 or 2003, right? Probably 2002. Uh, So long after the Nintendo was a system of the day. And uh, it came in brand new condition, absolutely brand new, but, quote, pre-owned, right? Um, GameStop does this thing where they'll just give you, like, refurbished. Supposedly it was refurbished, which is sells as pre-owned at GameStop. Um, they do this stuff where they will sell you something that is brand new, but they call it pre-owned for whatever number of political reasons, Um it might be that they have this product that is new old stock that they somehow got their hands on and know that they can sell, but they can't sell it brand new, I guess, just because you don't sell brand new stuff when it's not current. Maybe. I don't understand it. I don't think they were suddenly I, I don't getting... know why they, they would do that. Why would, why would they, if there was something new, why would they try and sell it as used and not just try and sell it as new? Yeah, I don't know. Nobody knows. Because it's super old skew. Maybe because they don't have it in their system. Maybe because they don't want to introduce it to the system. I guarantee you, Nintendo didn't just suddenly release a bunch of refurbished uh, NES2s on the market uh, 17 years after its heyday. I agree. Right? Um, anyway, so what recently hit, hit my radar was this article talking about GameStop selling, what is it, Xenoblade? Xenoblade Chronicles for Xenoblade the Wii. Chronicles for the Wii. For the and low, low price... Just ninety dollars. Yep, and they're selling it pre-owned. Hey, eighty-nine ninety-nine. Okay, but I am—I would be willing to bet that these games are absolutely brand new, that they then like unsealed and rewrapped, never being played or touched by human hands. Well, this is this is what a lot of people are speculating. It's because a lot of people have worked at GameStop and they know how they work, mm. right? Because if it's pre-owned, then you can you can sell market value. It's no longer the same product that has an MSRP associated with it. Now, I've I've heard that argument, and I heard someone refute it by saying that look, MSRP is just a, they're not obligated to sell it at MSRP for any reason. No, they're absolutely not obligated to, but they have a reputation to keep. If GameStop yeah, started fair. selling the Xboxes and the Playstations at market value, even though everyone just sells them on eBay for market value. They would get skewered. Nevertheless, uh, those who are interested in skewering are still just as vociferously complaining that GameStop is selling these at a remarkably high used price. Yeah, I don't know why. I mean, if if the game costs a lot of money in the market, they've done this before. Well, apparently 90 is like the low end of the going price of this game on the market. Yeah, Good. It gives people an outlet to buy the game cheaper than they normally would. And probably in brand new condition. But it's just shady that they lie about it. Perhaps. If they're lying. else are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives where else in the valley on campus or online can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security artificial life programming and game studies as well as technology management where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu. And we are back once again. You are still listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Our Facebook page is slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. There's a link on our website. Which is chatterboxgameshow.com. And, of course, you can e- email us from there as well. Um, 
I think. Oh yeah, one more one more thing. UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. Can't go without mentioning that. That's right. All right. So I was whining about GameStop. I don't like that they're probably lying about these things not being pre-owned, but that they would just make them pre-owned by unsealing them is my guess. I don't really know, but that's probably what's going on. Um, what else What else do we have on our list? Well, there was another GameStop thing. This is really funny. Oh, the lawsuit? Yeah. So you remember this whole like online pass business. Yeah, so like you buy a new game and one of the features is only accessible when you put in the code that comes on a piece of paper in the box. Right, and so if you buy it used, what that means is that... Piece of paper is probably already gone. Right, and then you'd have to pay like 10 or 15 bucks to activate its online functionality as a used game buyer. And it's just, this is really funny because I didn't actually realize this. Did you know EA discontinued these online passes earlier this year? You know, I can't keep straight which company is which, who's doing what, if it's Activision or EA or somebody else. But I know I remembered that one major company was like, all right, we're just not going to do this anymore. And the crazy thing is I didn't even realize this had happened. This is a year old. Not this story, but a similar one. There was a lawsuit in California last year where GameStop settled. And they actually agreed to uh, pay consumers who bought cases like this. Uh, fifteen dollars, and they also agreed as part of the settlement to basically post signs for two years in California stores and online, saying, "Hey, um, you know, you might have to pay extra for online content." Yeah, but did they have to post signs saying, "If you did, we'll give you free money"? Well, no, probably not. And uh, they also did not have to do this in New Jersey, where now there is a new lawsuit in New Jersey for basically the very same issue. And the you would judge think that they said, would voluntarily start posting these signs at all of their stores. Or you can just do the corporate thing and do nothing until a uh, judgment makes you. That's so Come silly. On. This, is, this, is, this is par for the course for corporations, right? Don't do anything until a, law, until a judgment well, no. makes you. Well, no. Sometimes if one, if one state brings you to the point of having to, to do something special that you'll just apply it across the board and say, hey, this is our new policy. We missed something. I suppose things like that are a really good opportunity for somebody to have some foresight. But this is funny. Yeah, so that's going through. There's like three plaintiffs, and a judge said, yes, these lawsuits can go ahead. So Yeah, because GameStop was like, hey, this is stupid. You should just throw it out. And he said, no, totally warranted. And it's basically just there's no there's no warning when you buy the used game, even though the used game says like, hey, it has online play and stuff like that. There's no warning when you buy the used version that uh, you're going to have to pay more to get all the features that are advertised on the box. So. So, it's yeah, good. it's cool. I'm, I'm fine with that. I don't have any problem. That should have been a completely that. voluntary thing that GameStop was aware of from the beginning that they just need to do this. What is interesting is that there's a lot more companies selling used games these days than just GameStop, like Walmart and Amazon and Best Buy. And Amazon is arguably uh, just as important as GameStop, especially these days. So I don't know what sorts of warnings they have. And uh, it's a little bit silly that GameStop's just being picked out of the crowd for this. Can you but. take GameStop to, uh, to, to court in uh, small claims? Can you sue them for 15 bucks? Uh, just yourself? I suppose you could. Why? Oh, I, don't, I mean, that's what you can do instead of going to superior court and hiring a lawyer if you want your 15 bucks back. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay, we have more things that are more interesting than this. Have you heard about the All You Can arcade? Uh, no. You like All Actually, You Cans, don't you? Well, it depends. I, I'm quite fond of All You Can. <laughs> We like the Waffle House, all you can eat. Well, that well, that's also true. Okay. This is crazy. I, I mean, crazy good. I can't even believe they're doing this. I had to read this twice in two different places to uh, understand uh, what it's actually about, even though in both places it was saying the same thing, because I couldn't believe it. The All You Can Arcade, it's a, it's a service now. They started it in uh, San Francisco, and apparently it's available in more than one place in Cali. And they want to expand it to the East Coast. No mention of Arizona, unfortunately. Here's the thing. It's like Netflix for arcade cabinets. They don't mention an 
at least on your little piece of paper there, it doesn't mention delivery fees. That's right. They mention that there are no delivery fees or shipping fees. Oh, seriously? Just like Netflix. Wow. And So they'll bring you an arcade machine, and how much do you have to spend on this? 75 a month. $75 a month to just have an arcade machine sitting in your house. That's right. And you can every month you can change out your arcade machine and pay the same 75 a month, and they will come ostensibly take it away and bring you the new one. And um, I can just see a lot of crazy problems with this, but hey, it's... I would actually really seriously consider doing that a few times, like if I'm having a party here one night or whatever. Oh, yeah. That would be great to do. Interesting. I would love to have an arcade cabinet and pay 75 bucks for a month, especially you know, if it's a game I really like. You can buy arcade cabinets for not that much money around here. Yeah, but the thing is, is that, first of all, the whole cabinet, and then it will cost me $50 just to get the thing moved around. That's my problem. Because yeah. I don't have one of those big Texas trucks. Well, that's true. I mean, if you're going to get an arcade machine, you should be willing to spend a few hundred dollars. I, I spent $600 on my Killer Instinct cabinet, which has been in very good condition. Um, not excellent, but very good. And like I said, I just brought home NBA Hang Time, and I'm super excited. You must be on fire. Yeah, well, I'm going to be. Um, what's, what's a bummer is that that game is four-player, and I only have two, two players on the arcade machine. But... I figured out, or I thought about it, I can add them with controllers. I can add controllers to an arcade machine, and that'll be awesome. Uh, that could be interesting. Tell, what, what would you think of that experience? If you come over, you play an arcade game, everybody's playing on the arcade, and then like two of the players have to just use a hand controller. I'd say that's acceptable. Not crazy, right? No, that's not crazy. Okay. I think that you should make it happen, because I want to see this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's one of my projects for well. My wife is gone. Because I'm gonna have to, I have to do some rewiring to get it working again for the, you know, arcade and all that. Because it's been connected to an Xbox for so long. But, uh, but yeah, I'm gonna fix this up. It's gonna be awesome. It's great. The four people can stand closer together. You can do all kinds of things with the controller that you can't do with the joystick. Like what? I'm not gonna venture to suggest any, but okay. use your imagination. All right. Well, I'm excited about this. Okay. Unfortunately, I. I have to buy, like, an extra wiring harness. I mean, I don't have to, but I don't want to solder directly to the board. A wiring harness is, like, a lot of money. You have to get it on eBay. It's going to cost me probably $50 just to get the ability to connect a controller. Then I have to get controllers. Oh, nightmare. You're telling me about this when I just experienced the $750 nightmare, so I don't even want to hear it. No, I'm going to need Neo Geo controllers would be best, but I'm not going to get those because they're really expensive. So you know what's special about Neo, G- Neo Geo controllers is that they have they're straight up switches. A Neo Geo controller has no processing in the controller, right? So ever since Super That's Nintendo, quite convenient. yeah, Super Nintendo and Genesis even have processing on the controller. So like you can have a f- five pins going to the machine, but you can have twenty buttons or something. Right, right. And there's and it's even worse with like Dreamcast and and, and further on because they yeah. have crazy things happening. All sorts of, so you op- basically you open up your PlayStation anything, PlayStation one, two, three controller, and you're gonna find a chip on there that does all sorts of thought stuff. Yep. And a Neo Geo is just a wire that goes into the controller and when you press a button it you know, completes a switch and boom, you're done. It goes it goes into the machine and that's everything. And uh, how quaintly low tech. Exactly. That's why people use Neo Geo controllers for hacking stuff all the time. Except, yeah, it's like $50 for a Neo Geo CD joystick. I don't want to get a full on joystick because I want them to be able to stand and hold it. And uh, so I would want the Neo Geo CD, which is a handheld controller. Uh, anyway, they're like $40, $50 each. Well,. Not for this application, sir. No. It's worth it. So I'm going to have to like, open up an old PlayStation controller and like cut the traces on it. And it's, it's, ugh. Anyway, I'm not looking forward to this. It's kind of going to be fun, but also a bit of a headache. Because what I don't want to do is buy or break controllers and then not successfully have converted them. Yeah, you should success be successful in breaking them and then converting them. No. I mean, I have arcade joysticks already that I could convert for this purpose. I got a, we don't have much time, but I got a couple little things. Okay. So guess uh, what 
Guess the latest news in Microsoft's reversal of announcements. Oh, I know the answer to this. Do you really want me to pretend like I'm guessing? No, not if you know. Okay, so the Connect. Yes, the Connect doesn't have to be connected. The Connect no longer has to be connected. Mark Witten did this interview at IGN, and it was so it was so funny because you can just tell he was trying so hard to just sell the, all the advantages of having the Connect on. Like you don't even have to look for that special button that you use to bind your controller to the console. The Connect will just see you holding it and bind it automatically, and you can save all of this trouble. If wait, you wait, just wait. Are you making on. that up? Does it really nope, know which controller is which? He'll, yeah, apparently it can like tell that like, you're holding the controller and so on. Of course, the things he doesn't mention are all the other miraculous things the Connect can tell that you don't want it to know. Like uh, just being on when you don't want it to be on? Um, like Sending stuff to the NSA, that sort of thing? Sending stuff to Bill Gates's, uh, um living room when uh, you're sleeping. Um, cataloging all of your in-home items for Microsoft and other hackers who wish to invade, um, you know, so on and so forth. Yeah, you're more of the paranoid type. You know what? It's not paranoid if it actually happens. Yeah, well, I guess That's like, right. the NSA does use our stuff. And hackers do hack into those cameras, and I'm, yeah. just, I'm just waiting for the stories about... I'm just waiting for more stories. So They're we should come. sell accessories for the Kinect that just block the camera, so like the... The no NSA product. This is a great opportunity for someone out there. Yeah, like you could just 3D print that thing. Just cover it up. Anyway. Or just use tape. I'm thinking also a line that sits between the Xbox and the cable with just a hard switch on it. So you can disable the camera through power. There you go. Anyway, we're at the end of our show. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you have ideas for the right controller that I should use to attach to my JAMA arcade machine... Send me an email or a Facebook. We'll be back next week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.